Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Monday. Holy cow. What a weekend. What a Sunday. Gee. Let me let me open up the show by apologizing to both the Dallas Mavericks and the Boston Celtics. Not that they care whatsoever about me or even know who I am, but holy bleep. I mean, I, when Boston lost game five, I was like, it's over. You, you lose the way you did at home at that moment. Fast forward here, Monday morning, they're going to the conference finals. We got four game sevens yesterday, two in the NHL that were good, two in the NBA that were not, unless you're a fan of the Celtics or the Mavericks. I didn't even take the Mavericks serious, even when they were trucking the Suns in Dallas in the series, and shame on me because they are serious. And they put about as serious a beatdown on the Suns last night as you could possibly imagine. I remember watching Chris Paul lose by 58 in the postseason with the New Orleans Hornets to the Denver Nuggets, and it wasn't a closeout game. It was only game four of a best-of-seven first-round series when the Hornets were a seven-seed. One-seed, best record in the NBA, a lot on the line, and they did that? What the hell was that? Shout-out, Mavs. More on that coming up. Drew Brees is, is just teasing everybody, apparently. Is he trolling or is he just a lunatic and serious about coming back and playing in the NFL? Like I said, we got a lot to get into. And we got Diamond Sports. Was not expecting LSU to get swept by Ole Miss. That was a surprise. Was not expecting UL to get swept by Texas State. That was a surprise. They had their chances. They came close. They got swept. And now I think they need to win the conference tournament to get into an NCAA regional. We'll get more into that in the 8 o'clock hour. I'll visit with Coach Matt Deggs this morning at 8.15. But speaking of regionals, the Raging Cajun softball team heading to the Clemson regional as a three seed, yet didn't have that on my bingo card either. But we'll, we got a lot of uh, softball coverage coming up later this hour. See, Coach Jerry Glasgow, who typically joins me Monday mornings during the season at 7.15, He's not going to be able to join me this morning because he has COVID. And he's trying to recover from that, rest up, get healthy. The earliest he could possibly return to the team is Thursday. I expect the team's probably going to be leaving Wednesday for Clemson. So if he is able to get back in time, he wouldn't get to the team until Thursday. And then they play Friday against Auburn, 1.30 p.m. Central Time first pitch. But being that I don't have Coach Glasgow on, I did record a number of interviews last night out at Lamson Park at the Selection Show. Assistant coaches Lacey Prejean and Justin Robichaux are going to be on this morning with me in replacement of Coach Glasgow. And I have a conversation later on in the show with Rage Cajun third baseman Jordan Campbell. So, like I said, we're going to have all that covered for you on the show this morning. But let me circle back to the NBA playoffs yesterday. Grant Williams, there wasn't even, um, you know, uh, there wasn't even a guarantee he was going to play yesterday heading into the game. Certainly no one would have guaranteed the kind of performance he had. Nobody would have placed any kind of money on it. But, oh, my God, career highs, seven three-pointers. Are you kidding me? And then, of course, that great comeback in game five. Grant Williams knocks down the first point. We're at the midway point here in the second. Smart whips the pass. Grant Williams again left open. Back to knocks it down. His second three-pointer. And the individual defense and then the help defense for both these teams. Final minute, first half. Grant Williams connects on a three. I mean, and then it just kept happening. In the second half, Boston pulled away in a big way. Grant Williams couldn't miss. Grant Williams hits another three. Grant Williams with his fourth three-pointer. Matthews forcing ground left. Nearly comes up with a steal. Finds Smart. Kicks it out in the corner. Grant Williams. Another three. Five three-pointers for Grant Williams. Ahead to Brown. Brown's got nine points in the period. 19 for the game. White. Williams. Three-pointer. Bang! Grant Williams. 
Giannis on the drive, splits the defense, too strong on the layup, Horford the rebound. He's missed three point-blank layups tonight that you just don't see him miss. Grant Williams again! Seven three-pointer of the game, it's a 16-point lead. Seven three-pointers for Grant Williams. Look, if you're going to close out a team in a game seven and it's not even going to be close, you always have otherworldly performances from role players that you're not expecting it from. The Celtics advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals and Grant Williams, playoff career highs, 27 points and seven three-pointers made. Yeah, he was he was feeling pretty good afterwards. Said, hey, you know what? My work ethic, big part of it. Could you have imagined this, I mean, this kind of performance, you know, even a year ago, last season, when you were battling for playing time to be able to come out here in a game seven and step up like you did? Yeah, I knew um, just from, not the same thing, but the bubble from my rookie year, game seven, I knew how kind of intense that was and being thrown in fourth quarter after not playing and then getting that stop and block on Van Vliet and all this. I remember going through those emotions. So I was like, that's kind of how this night's going to be. Like, you have to be prepared for not only the highs, but the lows. And uh, if you asked me last year, uh, I'd probably be head down, you know, keep it moving. But uh, I, I think the work that I put in over the past year and a half, two years, three years I've been in the league has helped me be in this position. It's glory not only to, to, to God in that sense, but also uh, to everyone around me. There's Grant Williams. Good stuff from him. And again, I mean, I I was dead wrong. My prediction was Milwaukee-Phoenix repeat of last year's finals. These teams couldn't even get back to the conference finals. Now, Milwaukee, look, they missed some shots yesterday. They got straight-up beat. Grant Williams dropped seven three-pointers. Milwaukee didn't have their all-star in Chris Middleton, one of their all-stars. And I'm not – it's just, just analysis, not making an excuse, right? Credit to Boston for winning. My point is you, you can – Go into that game, and you can kind of understand how something like that would happen. But how in the world do the Phoenix Suns get embarrassed the way they did in Game 7 on their home floor? Are you kidding me? Chris Paul was minus 39. Mikhail Bridges, Mr. Defender, minus 40. Devin Booker, minus 41 when they were on the floor. Oh, my God. And look, we're talking about role players. I mean, Jalen Brunson scored 24. Spencer Dinwiddie scored 30 off the bench, and and he was really hot and couldn't miss. Five of seven from three-point range, comparable to that Grant Williams-type performance. But, like, Luka Doncic, 35 points. He was unstoppable, and the rest of the team – you didn't get really much offense from anybody outside of those three, but it didn't matter because the defense was there and Phoenix couldn't, I mean, they, it's one thing to look like you're not ready for the moment. It's another to just, I, I don't even know how to describe what that was last night. It's like they didn't even know where they were. All oh, it was pressure. Well, if it was pressure, then it, it blew them up before the game even started. Luka Doncic, he says after the game, I like pressure. Yeah, of course. I mean, <clears throat> it's game seven, you know. Uh, I like these games. It's it's pressure, uh, you know. I think, we, I mean, I know we were the underdogs. Everybody had the Suns on to win this one. But like I say, you know, the whole locker room believed. Uh, and that's what won us a game. And I, once again, I think we play amazing today. Amazing is is a good way to describe it. Disgusting is a good way to describe Phoenix's performance. And the Suns, I mean, like I I am I am one of those guys that defend Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul. I don't love playing against him. I can't stand him. He drives me crazy. Plays dirty, does all the little things, but he's so smart. But can you really call him the point god? I know Pelicans fans were having fun. Hey, Jose Alvarado wore him down, got him tired. But Pelicans stuff aside, let's let's not make this about the Pels, even though it was all over my timeline. Phoenix, what's your level of panic heading into the offseason when you lose the way you do? 
Chris Paul had back-to-back cover-your-eyes performances of, oh, my, you know, the horror. And now he's 37. Now, he doesn't always look washed up. There are times where he looks like the point guard. In the game six closeout in New Orleans, he didn't miss a single shot. He was great, but... There's a time when the thoroughbred just starts slowing down so much. I'm not saying you take him to the glue factory. Uh, that's not the metaphor I'm rolling for. He's still going to be the point guard next year, but they, they, you talk about load management. You better have the, some, you better have Kawhi Leonard in Toronto times five for Chris Paul next year. Because what else is the explanation? That was atrocious. Devin Booker. Minus 41, you were 3 of 14 from the field in a game 7 with four turnovers? Are you kidding me? DeAndre Ayton played 17 minutes. Jay Crowder, good job, 2 of 9, minus 37. Nice work. Good effort. It was an embarrassment the Phoenix Suns and look the Bucks didn't look great and they got beat down but you can look at Milwaukee and they still have the championship banner from last year they were missing Chris Middleton Boston was just red hot I mean again Grant Williams 27 I, I wouldn't describe Milwaukee's loss as an embarrassment it's a hey, shout out Boston shout out Dallas an embarrassment for Phoenix you won 64 games this season number one overall seed, you're at home in a game seven against the team that has won generational talent. And outside of that, there isn't a single player on Dallas who's even close to being an NBA All-Star. There isn't. You can look at New Orleans and you can say Phoenix beat him in six games, well, Brandon Ingram wasn't an all-star this year. He's been an all-star. Zion wasn't even on the team this year. I mean, he was on the team and he didn't play. He's been an all-star. You know, CJ McCollum's never been an all-star, but he's been right there on the cusp. Valanchunas, same thing. I mean, they've come close. They've gotten votes. You look at Dallas, you got Doncic. There's no one else on that team that's, that's I mean, come on, even close. And that's not a knock on those guys. It, it, it Shout out credit to them. Credit to Coach Jason Kidd, who took a whole lot of heat when he got that job. What is Mark Cuban doing? What are the Mavericks doing? I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie, career playoff high 30. Had a Grant Williams-type performance, but Luka also was Luka. And now you've got the conference finals set. Golden State and Dallas and Miami and Boston. One of them will be an NBA champion this year. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Braith. We're going to have open phone lines later this hour. Going to talk to uh, Perry UL assistant softball coach a little bit in uh, just a little bit, Coach Lacey Prejal and co- Coach Justin Robichaud, who sounds a lot like his father. And when I interview him, I have to. There's just the cadence, the voice, the look. There's so much similarities there. That's coming up in just a little bit. Jordan Campbell, Rachel Cage, the third baseman. She transferred from Texas A&M to Louisiana, has been a big part of the team this year, has always kept her confidence and, you know, had her job at third, lost it briefly for struggling in the field defensively, earned it back. She's a great story. The Cajun softball team, a resilient group, heading to the Clemson Regional. Again, more on that in just a little bit. But what about Mr. Drew Brees? I guess Drew didn't like the uh, broadcasting thing all that much. Report comes out of NBC, who was paying Drew six, seven million a year, seven million a year, multi-year deal. And he has gone after a single year, according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, one and done as NBC's TV analyst slash Studio guy. Now, Breeze did some stuff in the studio for Sunday Night Football, and then he did color commentary for Notre Dame football, and then he did color on a couple of preseason games, two NFL games, including 
the playoff game between the Raiders and Bengals where he really didn't do all that great. Now, it was his first year. I had questions as to whether he'd be good at broadcasting. I said it a lot. I would, I would, I debated it with people. I mean, what Drew is a guy that always said the right thing as a player, always positive, always optimistic. Was he going to be able to cut it as, as an analyst? And apparently, reportedly, he still wants to. He might head to Fox, though. You know, he's not going to be one of the signature guys. But Breeze, then, I, I don't. Breeze is a guy that mainly just just puts ads up on his social media pages. Says, yeah, send my check in the mail. Here you go. He was a bit more active on social media yesterday. Just throwing a little bit of gasoline on the fire because when the report came out that he was done at NBC after only one season, fans began to speculate at the in, in the moment, mostly in jest, that Breeze was going to return to the field. Saints signed Jarvis Landry. How about that? God, that was Friday after I got off the air. Ha! Hadn't even gotten into that yet. What a signing that. Tyron Matthew, the first-round picks. So Breeze gets on Instagram, and he's like, man, signing Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew makes me want to come back and play again. Great additions, leaders and players. Okay, Drew. And then an hour after that, he really kicked the hornet's nest when he tweeted, and I quote, Despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. So adding, I, 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 I may train for the pickleball tour. It feels like he's trolling a little bit, like he's having some fun. Then again, the guy's the guy's the guy's kind of a lunatic. But the quote, I may play football again, end quote. What? The reaction from Saints fans was strong uh, but mixed. A lot of, we don't want you back on the field, or we're finally starting to get over you, or Jameis Winston saying, don't let him in here. You know, I, we, I got plenty for you up there over at ESPNLafayette.com or the ESPN Lafayette app. Is this dude legitimately going to try to come back? Honestly. Oh, there were also a lot of, oh, I guess he's going to play for the uh, New Orleans Breakers. Here's the thing. It would not be good for the Saints if you wanted to come back and play for the Saints. They've moved on. We saw it at the end of Breeze's stretch. He was not bad at all. In fact, he would have been a much better option last year for large parts of the season, a la Trevor Simeon in one game of Ian Book with, you know, uh, street players. But Breeze is 43. Breeze needs to be done with football. It would not be good for the Saints. And if he did want to come back and play, it would be for someone else. And if he did want to come back and play, what team is going to sign him? I guess a lot of teams would. I say a lot of teams. I know a few teams would. But I I, I, I am not of the camp that is subscribing to Drew is just trolling. Drew is just... Since when is Drew Brees a, quote, Twitter troll? I mean, the guy's... The, the guy's social media presence is like the Kirk Cousins of quarterbacks. It is as basic and bland as it gets. It is the Times New Roman font of social media. You think out of nowhere it's going to start with these big troll jobs on all the Saints Twitter all of a sudden? No. I, I, no. Maybe he is into pickleball. I have no idea. I mean, it is a fast and growing sport. There is a part of him that does want to come back. There is a part of him that you can tell did not like the broadcast booth. Now, maybe that, maybe that'll just drive him to want to get back in and do better. I don't know. Maybe it was just a bad fit for NBC. Maybe he doesn't want to do college football. Maybe he doesn't like Notre Dame. Maybe he wants to go to Fox. I think there is a part of him that wants to play. The mere fact that he admitted that he considered taking the Saints offer 
when they were scheduled to play the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football last season in Week 15, play the Miami Dolphins when the Saints, if you remember correctly, were missing literally 64% of their roster due to COVID-19 protocols and a few injuries. They literally suited up their right tackle. He flew in the day of the game. They sized him up and gave him a uniform. It was, it, it, hey, Drew, can you come back and try to play in this game? Oh, by the way, you're going to be playing with um, the equivalent of, uh, no, not so much a USFL team, more like the old Arena 2 League. Not even Arena Football, an Arena 2 League. That, that, that's what you're going to suit up with. You know, some guys that were okay in high school. I mean, come on. The Saints were putting an NAI team out on the field that night for the most part. And he actually considered it. The guy the guy wants to play. I don't think it's going to be with the Saints, though. I hope it's not. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. All right, like I said, typically on Mondays, we got, we got a lot to get into. I'm going to open up phone lines later this hour. We're going to talk to Coach Matt Deggs at 8.15 this morning about UL baseball. Jordan Campbell, Raging Cajun third baseman, softballer. She'll be on, um, recorded an interview with her last night. That'll probably air in the 8 o'clock hour, and if we don't have time, we'll air it tomorrow. But Raging Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow, he typically joins me Monday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour. Coach is dealing with uh, COVID-19. And he's resting. Don't want to bother him. He needs to rest. He wants to heal. He wants to get better so that he can return to the team in person. Now, he's going to be coaching from afar with scouting reports and, and Zoom and other things like that. But the earliest he can return to the team in person, if all goes well with the protocols, would be Thursday. Louisiana heading to the NCAA regionals to the Clemson regional. Clemson, the number 10 overall seed. Auburn, the two seed there. Louisiana, the three seed. And UNC Wilmington, the four seed. So I interviewed assistant coaches, Lacey Prejean and Justin Robichaux last night at Lamson Park after the NCAA selection show. And you'll hear those interviews next right here on the Great Scott Show. Open phone lines after that. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. talk that's so legit it smells like beer and chicken wings i mean can't you smell it i'm smelling barbecue too espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app all right espn lafayette the best ticket in sports welcome back into the great scott show coach jerry glasgow unfortunately couldn't join me for our uh, live monday segment and uh with good reason. He is dealing with COVID-19. I know it's one of the storylines for Cajun softball right now. The hope is that uh, he can return to the team Thursday. That would be the earliest the team plays Friday in the Clemson Regional. I've got a number of interviews here for you that I'm recording Sunday evening out at Lamson Park. We'll visit with uh, third baseman Jordan Campbell a little bit later. Uh, pitching coach Justin Robichaux as well. But joining me now, assistant coach Lacey Prejean. Coach, first off, I guess since I just mentioned it, let's just get that out the way. Um, how is Coach doing, and how does this kind of throw a monkey wrench in y'all's plan for the week? I know y'all are still working out some kinks, but just in general, it's it's another obstacle for you guys at a time of the year where you're playing your best softball. Sure. Uh, well, you know, obviously, I just talked to Coach Glasgow. Uh, he's in great spirits. Um, not still not feeling very well, but he's very excited about and says it's a, a good draw feels uh, very confident about our draw and um, we discussed uh, we're going to have a staff meeting first thing in the morning and then get a uh, a plan going for the rest of the week but thankfully we've been out of school these last two weeks so we're able to have a lot of small group work um, and continue to prepare um, it will just be different opponents but we'll continue the process preparing for Auburn uh, watching video getting on the machines getting defensive reps and uh, pitchers watching hitters and uh, continue the process. You know, 
I um, I think anybody that's watched the team this year would agree that you guys are playing your best softball right now. Where do you think you guys have grown the most from the beginning of the season to now? Gosh, the most, I would say, definitely our, our chemistry. Um, you know, we... We've moved some people around defensively. The lineup has changed a little bit. Um, the staff, you know, we've, we, Megan has gone out there and, and had great out, outings. Kendra Lamb has gone out there, had great outings. Sam Landry has also done a tremendous job uh, in the circle for us. Um, but I would say overall our chemistry, we've, been had, we've had a lot of adversity throughout the year. And so with, this is just another little pebble in the road we're going to get through and um, – but it's nothing that we, we can't overcome. Auburn, that's the first opponent. When it, goes, when it comes to a regional, how much pre-scouting do you do on the opponent you know you're going to play? And then the other two teams in the region, like Clemson and UNC Wilmington, how do you divide that up? You've played in regionals. You've coached in regionals. This isn't your first rodeo. What's the process like as you prepare for it and you look at not just the team you're playing Friday, but the field of four? So... Obviously, we're going to watch a lot of video. Uh, we have a software program that we use, and we, Coach, Coach Justin and I will sit down. He'll watch all the hitters. I'm watching all the pitchers tonight and defensive uh, players and um, break down video, know what they throw. Uh, as of right now, uh, just talking to Coach Glasgow, he's pretty familiar with them, especially the Auburn uh, pitchers, and we'll really focus on that, getting ready for them. But a lot of our process when we're working throughout the weeding at practices, we work on the up ball, the down ball, east and west off machines. So that's not going to change. We might focus a little more on rise ball if we, if we feel that their starter who we're going to get is going to get a rise ball. But, um, you know, we travel with machines in, in, in Mobile. We brought four machines, uh, four boxes, and we were prepared. And nothing's going to change for that. Uh, I do know... Uh, the pitchers throw hard. Um, they're about 68 plus, and uh, so we're going to definitely work on a lot of velo this week. Um, but nothing is really changing. It. We're going to continue what we're doing, and then uh, we'll obviously they'll watch some video on them, kind of watch their tendencies a little bit. But you know, a rise ball is a rise ball, draw ball is a drop ball. You just know if they like to go arm side, glove side, and things like that. You know. I- I think this team doesn't need extra motivation, and I say that because heading into the conference tournament, you know, you knew you'd be in a regional, and yet the team went out and played really, really strong softball and won the conference tournament championship and didn't take it for granted. I say that to say, being that you're a three-seeded, not a two, some would say it's not a big difference, and I get it, right? The only difference is who bats first in game one. Not that the team needs extra motivation, but is there... Is there maybe a little seed in there that you guys can say, hey, look, they, they don't even think you're worthy of a two seed just for, not that they need it, but as a coach, do you do you try to tap into that a little? Um, we really didn't talk about that in, you know, when we just talked to the team in the locker room. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't do what we needed to do at the beginning of the year. However, how we're playing right now, um, we're on a roll. And we're a hot team, and the girls feel that. They know that. They believe that. And... So good luck to who we got to face. Um, you know, we, we Coach, Coach Justin was in there and asked, you know, it doesn't matter who we play. We're playing ourselves, and if we go out there and execute like we're supposed to, execute like we've been doing, then the game, the game knows and the results will, will be in favor of us. I'm talking to Jordan Cam on a little bit, but I, I, uh, two players I want to ask you about. First of all, her, you know. Um, I know – for her season, she was at third, then got pulled off a little bit, had some struggles early in the season in the field. But, and I remember talking to her at the beginning of the season, and her confidence, she was, she was confident it was all going to work out. She, I, but that's what impressed me. She said, look, it's not about when you lose or when you struggle. It's pretty much how you respond to it. And seeing her, how she's playing now, just speak a little bit about her journey to this point in the season and what she, what she means to the team. Jordan, Jordan's a competitor. You know, she works a lot. She is it's one of the hardest workers on our team behind Melissa Mayu and Lainey Crater. Um, she just brings that, that sense of she's like a mother hen uh, to our girls. And we have complete trust in her wherever we put her. You know, she suffered a little a little setback, a little injury. 
but she was not gonna, she did not want to come off the field and she did whatever she had to get back in her rehab to get back. Um, and she continues to work. And you can just see by, you know, our last game, she had a phenomenal play on that double play. I believe it was the first or second inning that um, it was definitely like a momentum. You know, we, we talk about pulling the momentum, pulling it, we're gonna make, or, or pushing it. And that was definitely a, a moment in the game where we got, we got the momentum and it helped us for sure. But she's an you know, incredible worker, a great person, a great teammate. Um, and that's all things off the field. On the field, you know, she's, she gets the job done for us. And one more, Raina O'Neill. Uh, having missed as much time as she had, uh, there were some that were quite, oh, is she going to play again? Since she came back a few weeks ago, seeing what she did in the conference tournament, most outstanding player. Um, I, I know she's been through some injuries in her career, but... Is there a sense of just kind of like appreciation of, you know what, after all I've been through, man, I am not going to take a single moment for granted here? Right. You know, that, that she's a great story, you know, because she had every, probably every excuse, every reason to just pack it up and say, you know, my, my time's done. But that just shows the kind of person she is, the pride she has for this university and the type of teammate she is. She's one of our captains. And... She kind of, you know, she continued to work while you wait mentality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she, that, that's just a great story. When you see that and you see great things happen to great people, it just makes you feel good because she deserves every bit of that. She's been, um, you know, the, one of the faces of our program, one of our leaders. And uh, we're so happy for her that, you know, when she was able to come back on the field and join us, um, that she was able to have a lot of success because, you know, in, in the dugout, her role in the dugout was she was the dugout captain. She brought a lot of energy. And then thankfully when she was able to get out on the field, it, it just rolled over on, onto the field. Coach Lacey Prejean has been our guest, Louisiana Rage Occasion Assistant Coach. Louisiana heading to the Clemson Regional, 704 miles away. I know the team flying for those that aren't flying. I know there are a lot of hardcore Cajun softball fans listening. I made the drive last weekend, actually. It's only about 10 and a half hours. If you don't get stuck behind traffic, you can make good time. I know they've traveled a lot farther, um, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of Vermillion and White there. You got some good fan bases. It should be a great environment, Coach. All the best. Good luck, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Sure. Thank you so much. All right, that was Rage Occasion Assistant Coach Lacey Prejean. We're going to chat with, uh, or you're going to hear a conversation I had with Louisiana Rage Cajun assistant coach, pitching coach Justin Robichaux, son of the late great Tony Robichaux. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll notice some similarities if you've never heard uh, Coach Robichaux, Justin Robichaux, that is, uh, in an interview. Um, a lot like his father in terms of how he speaks to Cadence and he looks like him. Uh, sometimes when I'm talking to him, I, I have to do a double take. But he's, um, you know, he talked with me last night about the team being in the regional being a three seed, um, dealing with Coach Glasgow, being away from the team for the time being, you know, in in the pitching staff, how much has it grown since the beginning of the season uh, to now, heading into the uh, Clemson Regional? That's coming your way here in just a minute. You're listening to The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed sports. Open up the show talking about the NBA playoffs, Game 7s. My apologies to both the Mavericks and the Celtics because I didn't take them serious and they made me look like an idiot yesterday. Holy cow. Uh, More on that. We'll have open phone lines as well coming up in about 10 minutes. Cajun baseball talk a little bit in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Coach Matt Deggs is going to join me live at 8.15. But right now, here is my conversation with Louisiana Rage Cajun assistant softball coach and pitching coach Justin Robichaux. ESPN Lafayette, it's a great scout show. I'm out park with Rage Cajun pitching coach, assistant coach Justin Robichaux. Uh, recording this about an hour ago, you guys learned you'd be heading to the Clemson Regional. Unique for, I guess, a number of reasons. One, I know in the Super Regional era, UL softball's never made that long of a trip for regionals. And uh, two, you know, I know Coach Glasgow, the hope is he'll be back Thursday from COVID, but it... it festive feeling no doubt deservedly so but unique because it's not the first time you've had a regional showing for softball but it's unique for a couple of other reasons so how are you feeling right now with what's in front of you and and what you guys learned tonight yeah i think anytime you know you're getting into the field of 64 it's never sun shines rainbows and unicorns you're gonna have to you know fight the dog so to speak um 
in the road to Oklahoma, and you know, I think we we got a a, a good draw um, from that perspective. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, we're, we're going to have to go into battle uh, prepared to beat you know some really good teams. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, the old adage of we're playing us, we are just playing us. But you know, sometimes it's good to hop on a plane and. And if, if you're taking our season into account, man, we had a had a long two-week road trip where, you know, they, they've done a tremendous job of handling mental adversity um, as a group and as a team. Um, the, the earlier games with Alabama and Texas that, you know, revealed some, some weaknesses in our armor. I think they, they went back and went to work. And I think you're dealing with a resilient group that um, – that's ready, ready to go throw down, to be honest with you. Uh, with that being said, two or three, you told us earlier you're going to, I guess, educate the team on who would be a two, you know, the difference between a two or three. Really, it's who's batting first. But on top of that, there some some would say there's a, a respect factor in there, right? I mean, RPI is a certain thing. You thought you'd be a t- Is there any kind of tool in there that you can use as a little extra motivation? Or is that even necessary considering, look, you're, you're playing in a regional? I think the their perception is I think it's going to be a pitch-to-pitch type philosophy no matter how you slice it or dice it. Um, there is an, an adage of, of, you know, did I think we were probably going to be a two-seed? Yes, I, I would have. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would have stated that, that I would have thought that. Um, but to to go... On that note, I mean, I, I think the RPI thing, um, it's when, you, when you're dealing at the end of a season, I think it's kind of anyone's guess, to be quite honest with you. So are we going to use it to our advantage? Uh, yes, to be 100% honest with you. Um, does I, do I think it's going to play in? Maybe. Um, I think they're, they're, they're pretty locked in right now. Um, you know, coming off the, uh, the conference tournament and – our last 22 games, they've, they've, they've learned how to come together and play together. Um, so I'm excited for them. I'm excited for the university, um, excited for this administration to see, the, see our name pop up. Um, it's always a, a blessing when that happens. And, and kind of looking forward to going, you know, up to Clemson and seeing what we can do. The pitching, Megan Schwarman, great in the Sunbelt Tournament, Kendra Lamb, Sam Landry, I mean, there's there's others I haven't brought up yet, but as the pitching coach, do you guys feel like the pitching staff's playing their best this season, and what might the approach be from a rotation standpoint heading into this weekend? I'm sure a lot of it's TBD, but I got to ask. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we have three number one arms, um, and it's a blessing to have all three of them. And I think all three of them have their own unique set of skills that – you know, depending on the circumstance, you're probably going to see those unique set of skills. But, you know, to see what Megan's done, you know, when she got here to where she is now, I'm super proud of her to, to from Sam, um, seeing her grow as a freshman, and from Kendra to just leading this group. Um, she's a tremendous leader. She, she, uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to have somebody like that that uh, you can lean on. Mm-hmm. And um, so to answer your question, it is TBD. And um, to be honest with you, you know, that'll be a discussion to be hashed out later with Coach and, and Lacey to see what direction we want to go in. Yeah, I know there's a lot between now and whenever you guys play. And I guess we can close on that. Coach Glasgow right now dealing with COVID. Uh, the hope in, is that he returns to the team on Thursday. But you mentioned everything y'all have gone through this season to prepare you for different stuff. Here's another wrench that just gets thrown in there. Yeah, Coach is... Uh, is a very resilient guy. Um, I think anybody that has played for Coach Clasco um, knows. You know he he demands he demands excellence, and uh, I, I appreciate that from from our head coach and uh, toughness. You know, I think he's 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 overcome so much in his life, and um, you know he, you can't can't keep that man down for long. If you know what I'm saying, he, he'll he'll be where he needs to be. Justin Robichaux has been our guest. Judd, uh, best of luck this week. Safe travels and uh, look forward to listening to it. I know a lot of fans listening are going to make the trip 
Ten and a half hours, that's nothing for Cajun softball fans, the faithful. So I know there'll be a lot of uh, Vermilion and White up there as well. I'll be loud and proud too. You know, it's the best fan base in the country, and we've traveled well uh, as far as Indiana and Illinois. So um, we're looking forward to showing them what Raging Cajun fan base is all about. Thank you, Coach. All the best. Thank you, Scott. All right, that was my conversation with Justin Robes' show last night. Uh, I had a conversation as well with Rage Cajun third baseman Jordan Campbell. We may get to that in the 8 o'clock hour. If we don't have time today, I'll play it for you on tomorrow's show. But up next, we'll talk about that next, the two game sevens. Drew Brees, is he trolling or is he serious about a comeback? Plus, Coach Matt Deggs, Rage Cajun baseball coach, coming on live with me at 8.15 all of that and more. Open phone lines coming up next, 337-269-1077. Tell me how you're feeling on this Monday. Jarvis Landry, that was Friday. We didn't even get to talk about it, the addition that means to the Saints. It's all coming your way. Keep it locked in right here. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Monday. Phone lines open 337-269-1077. You can email me as well. Scott at ESPNLafayette.com. The Phoenix Suns reclipsed. Frozen, dominated. Holy cow. What the heck? What was that? You know, you get bounced in a game seven pretty handily like the Bucks did when they decided just to leave Grant Williams wide open all game. He trimmed at 18 three-pointers. All good shots. He had to take them. Bucks dared, dared him to beat him, and he did. But you're on the road... You know what I mean? You're on the road. You lose. It's without, you know, an all-star. Okay. It's tough. It's tough. Shout out Boston. I doubted them. I just they good for them. But Phoenix. Embarrassing. I mean, the first half, it's like, Chris Paul, let's double team. Nope. Okay, they closed it out. Okay, I'm not going to do what I do when I'm on my game. I'm just going to toss it backwards to Jay Crowder, who's going to do something wrong offensively. While Lucas scorches the earth with Spencer Dinwiddie. Hitting on that, and Drew Brees undecided about his plans for the fall after a report that he was done at NBC. Tweeting out even that, quote, I may play football again, end quote, which has drawn plenty of reaction. You can read more about that over at ESPNLafayette.com. You can also sound off on it. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. What's up? Good morning, man. Drew Brees has got to be the king of uh, Louisiana trolls now. He had everybody stirred up like a gumbo. It was hilarious. I was just, I was just enjoying reading Twitter. Everyone freaking out. Like, I was like, man, I thought it was a, I thought we were over the whole Jameis versus Deshaun Watson thing, and now we have Drew Brees versus Deshaun Watson. I mean, Jameis Winston with some of these delusional fans. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. But uh, real reason I called in was uh, about the Suns, Scott. I mean. Would you agree that had the Pelicans taken care of business, they could have beaten this Mavericks team? Do they? Do they? Do, does it feel like they're not that good? Am, am I, I mean, am I, crazy? I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, 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 I will say this: the Pelicans played well in round one, all things considered. Right? You're judging them on a different scale, but we got to admit that they they were they were gassed. I mean, C.J. McCollum even said it, his legs and, and, you know, considering he was traded and the travel and everything else. I mean, he and B.I. looked a little a little gassed by the end of that series because the Pelicans were in playoff mode for a long time. Luka, yeah. Luka missed time in the first round. I mean, he he's, true. he's looking fresh. So I think I think it would have been a good series, but I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to just blatantly say, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because I don't. 
I don't know. I, I think I think I, I've I think I've disrespected the Mavericks enough. I don't want to do that right now. The day after they earned it with that complete beatdown, man. What's crazy is I was looking at the halftime scores and the box score, and the starting five: Chris Paul had one point, Devin Booker had two points, Bridges had three points, Aiton had four points. And Jay Crowder had five points. Literally, insane. one, no, two, I know. three, four, I five. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like I, it. My mind was blown. I was like, what's happening, man? And Crowder, by the way, finished with, the- uh, finished with five points. <laughs> but the one thing that cracked me up more than anything was just like watching Luca, like when they would like wait for free throws and he kind of standing with his hands on his knees, smiling, staring up at Devin Booker with all that trash. Does Devin anyone Booker's have a hard. more disrespectful grin than Luka Doncic? I mean, oh, dude, that that is. I mean, it's disrespectful. I mean, you could you could you you'd say condescending, you could say whatever you want, you say petty. I mean, that grin of his is like he was. He was burning a hole through the sun with that one, man. There was two moments in the NBA uh, NBA playoffs that people messed up. When Devin Booker took the ball from him and pissed him off, that's when it was over. And whenever Giannis dunked on Al Horford, that's when it all just went downhill right there. I, for both teams. Yeah, I, I was I, – look, I, 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 I was dead wrong, man. I mean, I certainly didn't see Dallas winning the series. But what I didn't expect – I just – I didn't see Phoenix showing up the way they did in Game 7. I really oh, didn't. They, they, look, I get they've had some some bad outings on the road a few times, but Game Seven at home for a team that was in the finals last year that we saw, I would have never ever bet anything on that. If you had said Dallas, you know, minus thirty two, and the bet is like one in two thousand, I probably wouldn't even put a dollar on it. I would have been like, "There's no way." Come on, in Phoenix, no way. That's got to be the worst performance from a number one overall seed in a game seven ever, right? I mean, I can't think of one worse than that. Uh, you, yeah, that was... yeah, the following season, you're probably right. It was it was awful. I mean, again, I saw Chris Paul lose by 58 points with the New Orleans Hornets years ago in the playoffs. It was, and to this work. point, the, big, the most lopsided playoff loss in NBA history. It was atrocious. It was awful. It was bad all the way around. Yeah, somehow last night was worse than that. It was, I mean, he, he, he was minus 39. Devin Booker was three of 14. I, 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 I feel, honestly, I mean, cause I like Monty Williams. I, I was like, I felt bad for him. It's like, God, oh, man, this is just terrible. I know oh, a lot no, of Pelicans fans was... weren't. They're still bitter from the yeah. previous round. I get it too, by the way. But I, I, Monty's just such a good dude, man. I, I can't believe, I can't believe they yeah. put up the performance they did last night. It was just atrocious. I was I was just saying I wish I could be a fly on the wall in Jose Alvarado's apartment watching him just laughing laughing and fist pump the whole time because you got to know he was excited about it. But there anyway, was man, some, pe- there was some petty Pelicans. I mean, Swin Cash, VP of Basketball Operations, the team development. She was she just put up a, a a little gif of a black cat filing her nails. I mean, the petty level was it was there, man. It was big. It was it was big. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Scott Prather's the great Scott show. Unreal, man. Unreal. Coming up next hour, we'll get into UL and LSU baseball a little bit. I I, I did not see. I did not think LSU was going to be. Swept by Ole Miss. No way. And and I would say this for Coach Johnson, even when he did some things right, it just his team didn't didn't back him up on it. He puts in Blake money, guy, you know, runners on, guy grounds out, air, boom. And then he starts a pitcher in a game. Throws him for one pitch, pulls him out, and the thought was that was the plan all along, obviously, because he wanted Ole Miss to have a lineup ready that thought they'd be facing a lefty instead of a righty. Excuse me, vice versa. Thought they'd be facing a righty instead of a lefty. And some gamesmanship there. None of it worked. LSU fell from 16 to 37 in the RPI. We were talking last week about LSU hosting, being a top 16 seed. Now they got a whole lot of work to do. After the weekend they had, 
Meanwhile, Louisiana gets swept, but only falls one spot in the RPI because it was swept to Texas State. Thought they'd drop a little farther. Texas State, by the way, um, where is their RPI now? They moved up from 37 to 30. Rough weekend for the Cajuns. We'll talk to Coach Matt Deggs at 8.15. Talked a lot of softball earlier this hour as they get ready for the Clemson Regional. Talked a little NBA playoffs. No, uh, I, here's an email here from uh, Eric. Scott, you're talking game sevens. Did you watch any of the hockey game sevens? No, but apparently I should have, even though I'm not a hockey guy. Because the game sevens in the NHL yesterday, from what I understand, were incredible. The way game seven should be. With both teams showing up and just clawing and fighting and leaving it all out there. The Rangers beating the Penguins 4-3 to three in overtime of a game seven in the NHL playoffs. Calgary beating Dallas in overtime 3-2 to two to win the... That, that's, that's how a game seven should be. Both teams showing up, leaving it all out on the ice. Yesterday in the NBA, one team in each series showed up, left it on the hardwood. The other decided... I'm good. Whatever. I'm not saying Milwaukee wasn't trying. They were. The effort was there. They just they were getting beat and decided they didn't want to guard Grant Williams, who's by the way is not a terrible three point shooter. He has forty percent for his career. Forty percent. They're like forty percent. They're like I will leave him open. Well, yeah, that guy can't beat us, right? Uh, yep, Coach Mike, uh, he can, and he did. He was one off of the record from, first of all, he tied an NBA record for most made threes in a, in a playoff, in a game seven, rather, with seven. And he almost set the record for most three-point attempts in a game seven of the playoffs. 18. One off of, who do you know who has the record? That'd be Russell Westbrook, who once shot 19 three-pointers, 43 overall in a loss. We'll take a time out when we come back. What is Drew Brees' future? Can he still have a future in sports broadcasting? This man's ego is big. I'm telling you it is. He's kind of a lunatic. Is he actually going to get back on the field? We'll discuss that next. Cajun baseball talk coming up at 8.15 with Coach Deggs. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Move me. 